that reference is such a safe haven for some folks. Like, it doesn't matter what you choose, honestly. But if you just have some sort of reference to remind you to be a good person and like an, just a normal citizen that's like um, respectful and fair, I think you'll be all right. Wait, what do you mean it's over? Hello, how can I help? Hello guys, welcome back to Parties Over Podcast. I'm Ashley. And I'm Liz. Did you ever do that reporter challenge? No, I don't have TikTok, as everyone knows. You should do it for fun and just use the video. I'll try it. I'll try it after this, actually. Okay, cool. Do you want to hear something funny about TikTok? Yes, I do. So, Casey and Carly have been begging me to get TikTok for over a year now and I kept saying no I'm trying to cut back on the screen time and I know that would take over my life as I've told you as well so then I asked them to send me a TikTok and they said why doesn't Ashley send it to you and I said she deleted TikTok and then they said oh can you ask this was Carly she said oh can you ask her if she likes it and if it freed up her time at all I'm considering deleting it so am I now giving my answer Yes, but also that's what I've been trying to say for a year, and now they they are agreeing with me. So, so you guys all know that I deleted social media probably like two months ago, and then Liz and I had I don't even know, I think we had like some branded stuff we had to do or something like that, like for a company. So I re-downloaded it so I didn't leave Liz, you know, hanging with the social. So I would I would re-download it every Tuesday. <laughs> And I would post the episodes and stuff. And I deleted it again. And that went on for like a month. And then since that, like, whatever we did, and I re-downloaded it, I've been back on on my phone. And I hate it. And that's way harder to quit, in quotes, the second time around. It was way easier the first time. But I did notice, like, on TikTok specifically, I did notice that I kind of saw the benefit of using TikTok so like I think the way you use social media and like using it strategically can actually have a like benefit to your life because I was using I was missing the inspirational side of the internet you know what I'm saying so like TikTok I kind of like when they have like I get to see someone's morning and like it inspires me to like I don't know not just sit around and like watch tv or something at night or in the morning or whatever like make my nice breakfast and like pour my coffee aesthetically you know what I'm saying yeah I feel like it's kind of like a pressure situation like if I was ever feeling like I didn't want to go to the gym but everyone was working out that day then I would be like wow I'm a piece of crap and I gotta go yeah yeah it was kind of the ignorance is bliss it's nice that like I didn't compare myself or I wasn't like constantly checking my phone which is like what the that's the thing I'm having a hard time with is constantly checking it even though there's nothing it's just the addictiveness of like always refreshing especially with the podcast I find it really hard because I'm always waiting for like something like our lives to change and like this <laughs> one person shares it so like especially when we have like a big episode coming out I'm always refreshing it oh god yeah so yeah anyways but I did notice that I missed the aesthetic side of like I don't know. You know. That's good feedback. Yeah. 
Um, sorry guys, I feel like that was long-winded because my brain is not in it at the moment. <laughs> I feel like everybody understands that. That was a good way of describing what you're feeling. It wasn't. No, but you know when you're like sleepy and you're just like talking and you realize like I forgot what I said. It's kind of like when you're laying in bed at night, like when yeah. we used to live together and we would just I don't even know. Some of the stuff that we talked about, it's honestly scary. We would make up songs. We would rap about people's yeah. names. That's what we yeah. would do. Yeah, wow. that was mostly you, and I would just give you, you names. You would give me the names. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. Anything new with you? What's what's the 411? Doing anything fun this weekend? When you guys listen to this, it will be the weekend before. Oh, I'm doing Girls Weekend this weekend. Past, this Fine. weekend past, to, to celebrate a couple birthdays. One yeah. being hers. So, yeah, including my own. Yeah, I did turn 25, so that's an update. Bow, bow, bow. And it was real. It was a really nice birthday, actually. I felt really like old, but it ended up being really fun. And yeah, we, we went had to a really, really great ni- meal. Yeah. Yeah, that was so good. I'm still thinking about it. It was just the perfect. I love small plates. You know, love oh, doing that. We got to do the appetizers, the love meal, that. the dessert, dessert, the wine. But you didn't feel too full leaving. You felt good. No, honestly, ten out of ten. Oh, I'll give an update. I haven't told, um, I don't think I'm going to tell, like, the internet this, but I'll tell you guys this. It's not that cool. Kind of the internet, <gasps> though, right? Parker and I are building a house. Woohoo. We just bought some land. We closed on it on Friday. So a new huge update, actually. Yeah. So we're doing that. Yeah, I'll keep you guys updated. I'm sure we'll talk about it on the podcast. I am building it. My uncle's a builder, so and I work for him. So we're going to kind of get to be really hands-on with the process, which will be really exciting. Great learning experience. And I think we're going to do a few episodes and have people on. Some interior decorator, designers, I don't know what you'd say. A little bit Things, of everything. Yeah, some like finance stuff real estate stuff all kinds of stuff like that so if you guys have any questions or you want any specific episodes towards that realm of building and how to do it things like you know who to hire what you need um, let us know and we can definitely cover that so that's my life life update so exciting you have some really big things happening this year this is why I sound very tired on this episode I'm very (laughs) tired (laughs) She also added me to her house building Pinterest board, so I feel like I made it. If you guys want to be added, let me know. You can all pin <laughs> stuff that you want it's my house open to the public. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually currently private, but I'll add you. Anyways, guys, Liz and I are, like, extremely excited for this episode. We have waited a long time to have Rakia on. Sorry, I just gave it away. But <laughs> Rakia, we're thrilled. We've been um, quietly... Watching her from the sidelines for like what three four years? No, way more than I, that. Honestly, I met her in high school. Yeah, that's what so. I was realized. I thought that was three or four years ago. That was like eight. Yeah, what is high school? Eight years. Two thousand and thirteen, probably is when I first met her. Okay, so eight years ago. Yeah. Wow. Weird coincidence where I met her at Girl State, where she roomed with Ashley's cousin. Who's the she same? Doesn't even know this, but she's part of our story. It pretty much, right? Because your cousin knew who I was and mentioned me to you when you were going to Husson to get a roommate, and then we ended up rooming together. And the whole thing is, 
it's kind of full circle and Rakia is like there in it somehow (laughs) yeah that is so funny uh yeah no that's so weird I'm just realizing that but yeah so we kind of knew about her like you know when you know of someone type of thing so Liz and I like tell her on the episode we've quietly been like watching her graduation speech and different things like that where you're just like I know that girl uh so we just know she's a YouTube channel and she's very well spoken and we really just honestly love the way her mind works and like her I I don't know if temperament's word or just like personality and very well like well spoken wise beyond her years like I feel like she's someone I can look up to and then I'm like oh we're the same age but she's like that good. Yeah, she's really great. So we've been really wanting to have her on. Uh, she comes on and shares with us what her experience was like growing up in Maine. Her family moved to Maine from Ethiopia. So very exciting. We're so thrilled to have her on. And uh, without further ado, let's get into the episode with Rakia. All right, guys, we are back on Parties Over Podcast, and we have Rakia Muhammad with us today, and we've wanted to have her on for so long. So welcome to the podcast, Rakia. Thank you so much for having me, guys. And to get started, we want to kind of talk a little bit about um, what you wanted to be when you grew up. So this is something that we ask all of our guests just to kind of get an idea of where they are now and what they kind of dreamed their life would be like when they were growing up. Yeah, so for me, I never really um, had titles. Like, I didn't know what careers really were or, like, jobs were. I just knew that um, my mom was very much out there in the community from even when we were um, in Africa. So I was born in Ethiopia. And so even from a young, as a young kid, just watching my mom constantly, you know, she had women all around her all the time, and she was always of service. And so I never really knew what that title was. But I was just like, yeah, I feel like that's a good thing to do, be of service. And then as I got older, around 9, 10, 11, as I'm in the American school system, I'm starting to like pinpoint, okay, maybe I want to be like in the medical field or some some career that had some sort of service. So I wanted to very much be in the community when I got older. And I was like, I already like doing that. So to get paid to do that would be awesome. And then, you know, titles come as you get older. So for me, it was being a doctor or being in the medical field in some way. That was the dream back then. Isn't that so funny? We always have, I feel like a lot of times our guests come on and they say something similar to like, well, my parents did this. So like I kind of thought this is like what I would want to do and stuff. And it's interesting that even though you're like, mom didn't have an exact title that you were like, my mom's a teacher. I want to be a teacher or whatever it is. You were just like, I know that this is the type of woman she is. And that's kind of what I want to be. So exactly. Interesting. Well, I heard you touch on that you were born. One of our questions for you was, uh, I heard you said you were born in Ethiopia. So at what age did you move? And how is it like moving to Maine out of all the places you moved from? (laughs) That's the funniest question. And and that's my favorite question to answer because um, it's surprising when I tell people, like I was born in a small town in like Eastern Ethiopia called Jijiga. And it was a predominantly Somali town, a lot of refugees and people who just moved naturally from neighboring countries kind of like migrated there. So I grew up there and I left when I was about six going on seven. So 2002 is actually when I came to the U.S. And when I tell this story, it's funny, but when we came to this country, we were at a uh, we were at a New York airport. 
And so we're off at LaGuardia or JFK, whichever one. And we had two options. We had Maine or we had Atlanta, Georgia, where my bro- my mom's brother lived. And my mom was like, well, which one's closer? Like physically, <laughs> we can't really move for long because we just traveled for so long. And the answer was Maine. They're like, yeah, Maine's like seven hours up, you know, versus Atlanta, like 16 hours or whatever it is. And so we came to Maine. And when I tell people, they don't believe this, but when I came to Maine, there was no coal, like especially Lewiston, Maine, there was no Coles, no Walmart, like it was like, everything was just small town. And it made me so comfortable because that's kind of the way I grew up. It was a very small town that I grew up in. Everyone knew everybody. I was very overwhelmed by New York. Like just, I was asking my mom every day people built this stuff and she's like I'm like I can't even my eyes I'm just freaking out and so Maine was the breather that I needed and it was actually like the lifestyle I was so used to from back home and soon enough we found an entire Somali community that just happened to also migrate to Maine the same year we moved there so to me it wasn't too much of a culture shock English was a little bit of you know a little while to learn but um, thank God for cartoons. I learned through Kim Possible <laughs> and like That's So Raven and <laughs> family were like my teaching, um, my little teachers. But I really like culturally, I really just I was more calm than I think a lot of people expect. I don't know for my mom because she was an adult. Maybe the transition was a bit different for her, I'm sure. But for me, I was actually like, ah, this is my pace. <laughs> like, I like this better. Yeah. And for those that don't know, Lewiston has a big Somali community, mm-hmm. um, which is something that I feel like a lot of people know about but don't get Mm -hmm. the opportunity to sit down and speak with someone about their experience so that is something I grew up the neighboring town to Lewiston so I grew up you know with uh Somali like Muslims and such Mm -hmm. different Mm -hmm. incorporated in a lot of our classes and stuff but never really get the opportunity to sit down and hear about someone's experience so this is something I'm personally so excited about um Mm -hmm. and just to hear your experience coming to Maine, it's so cool to hear how similar your, you, like you felt so at home with a place that's mm-hmm. so far away and so different. For sure. So many other people, like other countries would probably be like, what is Maine? And then get yeah. here, like, literally, what is <laughs> yeah. Maine? So it and is you're like, really it felt funny. so at peace. Yeah, I know. It's so funny. Uh, you have funny. a lot of siblings as well, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. So I'm the oldest of eight. And we are, I tell everyone I joke around, I say we're like a starting five and then a bench for a basketball team. Like (laughs) our whole family is a group of its own. And I'm really, really grateful and like blessed to have brothers and sisters who are also friends. Um, And our spectrum is like from me being 25 to the youngest being three. He just turned three in January. And so we really have eras like I'm like the one who's like representing like millennial kind of and then we have like the Gen Zers for sure and then we have the young ones who are I don't know what they're going to be called but they're just like completely like left from what I grew up with and so it's really interesting to see that and like see them also grow up in the same environment and change it's adorable. I did, speaking of your family and such, and you've talked about your mom being kind of like an inspiration for you. Mm -hmm. I know you had mentioned in your speech that I creepishly watched two or three years ago. I love it. Thank you. (laughs) That I watched at Bates. um, For the also, sorry, well, we should get on, touch on that also. Mm -hmm. Um, But I know you said your mom studied at Bates or or she was in class. Yeah, she tried. Yeah, she actually applied and got into Bates when she, like, we came in 02, I think. 2007 is when my mom started her educational journey and she just 
like she was so into Bates. I mean, to this day, like it's not normal. Like I'm like, mom, like come on, a little bit, a little bit weird now. But she was so into Bates. I think she was drawn in by this like sense of like it was like a quiet confidence that like a small liberal arts school can give somebody, and she really needed that in her life at that point. She needed some sort of like material like mark kind of that let her know that she had done her best and she tried it and so Bates was kind of like that kind of thing that she could reach for but she got accepted um and but they told her because and I know this for a fact Bates is really um sensitive we can say when it comes to credits so they're very particular about where they get credits from how many credits you can transfer and so the condition was that she was going to be accepted except she'd start over as a first year and she was already I believe like a junior and the way my mom went through school like I don't know if we have time to talk about this but she just like just ran through it like she really just finished as many classes as she could because um she didn't really have the time she was also a working woman and a mom so she was like I can't I can't start over well so your mom when she she, when she moved here she ended up taking college classes yeah she actually started from high school yeah she started from high school she graduated from my same high school she got her GED um, at Edward Little High School, and I was like, well, like, we're both little Eddies, you know, it's really cute, and then um, she went to Central Maine Community College for a year, got her associates in a year, and then 2008 goes to USM, and throughout that, like, USM, I think she finished in three years, four years of college, and I'm just like, I don't understand how you're doing this. And so how wow. old, she has a full family at this point Yeah, at as this well. point, by 2008, I think... Five of us were already born, right? Okay, <laughs> so I, I need to learn from her. I can't even doubt so She amazing. is the queen. I don't know how she does it to this day. And I'm someone who's lived with her my entire life. And, like, she's the closest thing that I have to, like, the Michelle Obamas and the Oprahs, you know? And I'm just looking at her like, dude, how do you do this? And she's just, like, she's literally like the Nike logo. She just does it. She doesn't even think about it. She just That's goes That's so through. crazy. It's, it's also so crazy when you start to see your parents as, like, mm like you know what I mean like being impressed by what they do as kids you kind of you know you look from afar but you don't really see that it's that different maybe from like the norm and then you all of a sudden grow up and you're like hold on yeah yeah like so many times and so like she went through USM she finishes USM and then she goes to UNE and gets her master's in public health and this is by 2013 and she had a seven kids at that point right so she's also like having kids as she's going through this and I'm like by that point, I'm getting ready for my college journey. So I'm looking at her like, I honestly cannot complain. Like, I cannot say in any shape, way, or form that I can't do this because I've literally had this example, like, put into my life where by all means, against all odds, you can go through it. You can do it as long as you're just, you know, focusing. And so, man, there's many times where my mom was like, come on, Rakia, like, what are you doing? <laughs> we talked about this and I'm like, I know, mom, I know, try So... Um, it was very interesting wow. to see it from that perspective, man. So for anyone listening, this is your motivation to get through the rest of your week because yeah. <laughs> honestly, I feel like our bandwidth is so much bigger than we can like we give ourselves mm. credit for and stuff. A lot of times you kind of like, oh, I'm so busy, like can't don't have time for that and stuff. And then you really have to like put into perspective like what yeah. I, I mean, that doesn't take away from taking, you know, everyone's bandwidth is also different but for sure that's some great motivation she's my new icon I think. <laughs> yeah. um, a lot of people who wow. meet my mom are like oh oh yeah she's she's the cool one like she's the one we really need to talk to like get her use you to get from. to your mom yeah I'm like you know what at this point come on fan club I'm, I'm in it too let's go 
Did you feel a strong pull to apply to Bates and go to Bates based off of like her love for Bates or was it something that you also wanted? Yeah, so I think for me, I, I didn't really get it. So after she she kind of declined with Bates, she still had like an immense respect for her. She even told them like, my daughter will come here, don't worry. And I didn't know that until I was applying for Bates and I and I, she kind of tells me that story. But through my own, I kind of figured out as I was getting older, especially in high school with so many of these other clubs I was joining. And um, I'm just realizing like how powerful Bates is in this community, the influence that they have, the education that they're given. And at that point, I'm the oldest of so many kids and I'm so rooted in Maine. Like no one really got it. Everyone else was ready to go and like see the world. And I'm like, yeah, part of me wants to do that, but also like there's there's like a nice school in my backyard. Like I really like to take advantage of this as well. So it was a combination for sure. Like I, I was interested to see what this like love that she had for Bates was about, but I also knew that maybe like being from here, I could have a say in how Bates interacts with the community or like what people think about Bates, because if they know me and they know that I go to Bates, then they won't have, because you know, sometimes um, a private school in in the middle of like a really like emerging town, like Lewiston, it can have some sort of opinions that aren't the best. And so I kind of just took it as maybe I can change these opinions or I could just show the real Bates or what Bates can do for all of us. And so that was really my goal. By the time I was applying to Bates, I was like, yeah, I'm coming to your school to like really change some things. And they were like, okay, <laughs> whatever. I, I love on. that. Cause I feel like that's something that a lot of people when they're looking towards their next steps and stuff is mm. overlook maybe what you could like, you know, add to your space if it's not exactly how you want it to be, like whether that's your hometown or just maybe your state in general, like, yeah. you know, adding to like, what can I do to make it, make it become more of what I'm looking for and, and kind of help bring, give back to something. So I love your yeah. reason for going there. That's, that's really great. Thank you. And what did you study when you were at Bates? How was your experience there? And what was that like? So for me, I was um, going into Bates and I just, I knew at that point, I kind of said, I'm going to be a doctor. And like, that's, that was like the title that everyone, what are you going to do now that you're graduated high school? What's next? And I'm like, college, and I'm going to be a doctor. And they're like, okay. Um, so I go in freshman year, sign up for two science classes, bio and chem general, both of them. And I go through it my goodness, I was just like struggling left and right. I'm over here crying on weekends and trying to like not all nighters during the week. And I really, I really struggled. And at that point I was telling my mom, I don't even know if I like college, man, forget Bates. Like, I don't even know if I want to do this. And she was really, um, she was understanding, but she also knew because of her own experience, she was like, there's nothing you cannot do. I'm telling you that right now. Quit because you don't want it. Don't quit because you can't, you know? And so that really like stuck with me. So I continued and I became a biochem major by sophomore year. And I was also an African-American studies minor at the time. Right. So I'm like, yeah, I'm going to have this on the side. Like I have my path. I have my passion and I'm going to have my purpose. Like this is all going to come together, you know. And um, by senior year, I do fulfill my biochemistry degree, which I was really happy about because I think because I struggled so much to get to that point, I really cherished that degree. And at one point, it felt like a lot of people didn't believe in me in the departments um, that I was like studying within. So 
to graduate with, with, with a biochem degree was really just like a moment for me. And then African-American studies actually ended up becoming a major itself because I just kept taking so many classes. Like I just kept taking these classes and junior year they hit me up and they're like, hey, so you're like two classes in a thesis away from having a major. Do you just want to make it a major? And I was like, oh, absolutely. You know, and that's the dream. Like, that's amazing to hear that you don't even really search for like an accolade like that but you get it because you're so in love with it so I graduated with those two degrees and I was really happy with the end because I was able to merge them together I was able to like bring science to my African-American studies courses and talking about blood pressure and pregnancy um, issues that happen within minority communities and then I was able to bring race relations into my science classes and so I really found myself in this happy medium and that's when I realized okay, I'm going to be an advocate for people who look like me in the medical field. And that was just like an aha moment. So Bates really did me did me proud. And I, I, I struggled, but I think I did what I was supposed to do for those four years. That's crazy because you were about to give up on it and then you end up yeah. with two degrees. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so like, I'm just going to double it. I watched, <laughs> I watched something that you were in with Bates and I was it was you talking about your majors and ha- figuring out how you were going to merge the two mm. so that is so exciting to hear that you've kind of figured out a way yeah. to, to kind of push forward with that while we're on I know we kind of went to college and such but uh, I want to touch about what it was like growing up in Maine so you mentioned that your family grew up in Ethiopia and mm-hmm. you were of there's a large uh you Somali community here yeah. and what was that like growing up we know that Maine is predominantly white and yeah yeah it's very Lewiston like that area and such but mm-hmm. the rest of Maine doesn't necessarily follow suit so exactly yeah can you touch a little bit on that yeah so like Lewiston was a hybrid and it was a hybrid in the making while I was growing up so I really got to see um Lewiston be confused, especially like folks who were already here, second generation, um, you know, French Americans and also the Irish American community. And then we had this, you know, Somali Americans coming in. And so I saw Lewiston go from like this really confused, cautious city to slowly a blend happening, especially with those who were willing to reach out. Um, I didn't know this, but, you know, through my education, I'm learning about especially during middle and high school, I'm learning about, you know, the French community and how, like, they really went through a lot of trouble and a lot of um, discrimination because of the fact that they were from Quebec and a lot of their generations were from Quebec. And so that made me understand some things I saw as a kid. You know, you'd see people who come on, on to, like, Kennedy Park, which is this really big uh, park in the downtown Lewiston area, and Somalis would be hanging out there, and then some folks would come over, and you'd just start to see one thing leading to another and then suddenly all the kids are playing together or they'll be having actual dialogue and as a kid you're looking around and you're like what's going on like what is happening but as you get older you're realizing oh some of these people were building bridges like they were taking it upon themselves to extend the hand extend the help you know and tell them hey welcome to Lewiston obviously um, it wasn't all rainbows and sunshine there were some folks who were very hesitant and with those folks I I kind of just my mom always taught me like I'm think like my mom is a very extroverted person she's very much a go-getter and so one of the things she taught me was like respect is given regardless if you get it back just give it because that's what you can control but also you know don't take any 
disrespect you know like state your piece don't go overboard with it and then keep it going like you you say your piece and you you kind of move on and so I was one of those people who whether we're kids or we're older I'm I'm just like if I see something that's wrong I'm saying something and if I see something that's right I'm giving credit for it that's just as simple as it was for me and I didn't realize that like nowadays I feel like that's very much politicized where it's just like you're having manners. It's just like, you know, you're being a good person. You're sticking up for someone if you see something wrong being done. And, you know, titles come after that, like, oh, leader this or, you know, social justice fighter and this and that. And those are all amazing. But for me, it was really rooted in just being a fair person. If someone was being nice to me, I'm not going to go and say bad things about that person. Or when someone asks me, like, how did Maine treat you? I can't say that Maine was a terrible experience because it really wasn't. It built me up in so many places. And even the not so great moments that I did have of discrimination or of just people judging without knowing me, that also taught me lessons, you know. So I think growing up, I was very much open to any type of experience. But I think a lot of people would say that Maine gives you a good balanced kind of experience of the good and the bad and I was really grateful for the good and the bad because it kind of makes you who you are it kind of lets you know what you what to look out for what you can accept what you can't accept and as a result you become a well-rounded person like you said so I tell people all the time you want to go get a really well-rounded experience go to Lewiston Maine you'll you'll get something for everyone (laughs) seems like you have the best mindset surrounding that like if if everybody in the world could have your mindset I think everything would be really good yeah no because it's really hard I feel like I feel like it's really like what's the other thing you can do you can let the negatives consume you you know what I mean and there are moments where regardless of who you are where you are in life the negative seems to be taken over you're just in a deeper hole than you were in the beginning you know what I mean and I also understand that not everyone can have this outlook on life because um, everyone's perception to experiences and the way they absorb those experiences is very much different so I tell people like I might be like this but please don't expect everyone to be like this everyone definitely has their own um, way of dealing with life I just happen to be about a, to be a person who is kind of like just happy-go-lucky in a way but like practical you know I was gonna say I also think you uh, had a great role model that I'm sure oh, yeah, help, for helped sure. your mindset. All credit to my mom. All credit for sure. I, your, I mean, your mom has no idea that we had a podcast just talking about how awesome she yeah, is. Yeah, she doesn't. And when she hears it, she's probably going to be like, oh, man. So, okay. So what was it like? We wanted, Liz and I were talking on the way here. We always kind of mm. talk about the episodes before. And it was something we hadn't really planned on touching on. But what was it like growing up with so many siblings? And mm. how do you balance? I feel like this is something that a lot of people struggle with just in general is balancing family and your own life and having such a you I know that you are very family oriented so what has that been like man it's been it's one of the most interesting journeys I feel like anyone who's an an elder sibling can really just feel it's it's hard to explain um I was the scapegoat for so many situations in my life like I'm the one who's taking all of the heat for x y and z um because it's it gets to a certain point where you realize as the oldest um you are a leader without even knowing you're kind of leading by example without even realizing it's not a job you sign up for at all but you somehow just become the reference right and so I found that to be the case for myself um I have two younger brothers who are right after me like we all have two years in between us and so when I was going through high school 
I'm this like crazy freshman, you know, signing up for every sport, like every club. And my mom's like, what are we doing? What is field hockey? And I'm like, I don't know, but I'm going to try out, you know, and she's just like, okay. And so in some ways she expected that out of my brothers. Um, and then I'm, I'm also like very different personalities. I'm the type of person who like, I like getting thrown into the deep end. I like figuring things out. I like being confused. I like learning, but some of my siblings aren't like that, especially the brother right after me, very much an introvert. Just think of the opposite of me, like a great person, but like not the first person to speak at an event or anything like that. So my mom kind of like is going through all of these firsts with me as well. You know, I'm the first one to go to middle school. I'm the first one to go to high school. She's seeing report cards. She's seeing college fairs with me. And so by the time she gets to my younger brother, she's almost expecting the same thing. And he's like, I'm only going to do track and that's it. I'm not joining any club sports. I'm not joining any clubs at all. And I'm just going to take care of my studies and that's it I don't want to go to parties on the weekends I don't want to have friends over none of that you know and she's looking at him like what like no that's not how it works your sister did this and that and that and so I also started to realize the burden that some of my just my natural characteristics and personality was kind of having on them and so I had to like talk to my mom and I tell my mom in a joking way like we're also we're mother and daughter but we're also partners in so many ways we literally grew up together um, in this town and we had so many firsts together kind of just discovering what life's about so you know sometimes I'm like I'm gonna take the daughter hat off and I'm going to put on the partner hat and I just want to let you know these kids are all going to be different like they're not all of us none of us are going to be the same and you're going to have a lot more firsts with them as well and so I found myself kind of being a mentor sometimes a friend most of the time and then also being like my mom's good cop to her bad cop sometimes you know so it's really been a journey I wouldn't I wouldn't change it for anything else though like the older I get the more I'm so so happy of all the time that we fought and we like had great moments together because now that we're older we really choose to be around each other like we choose to be friends and that's just like the best thing I could ask for for sure I was thinking it when you're the the oldest of eight children then you kind of have to be that like not that you have to be, but like yeah. it puts you in that kind of leader, almost a parent role, knowing that sure. your youngest sibling is three years old. Like you're always going to be a leader to them or like an mm-hmm. adult to them. I did want to get into a little bit about um, your religion and kind of if you could tell our listeners a little bit about it, what you identify as and kind of how it feels to be a part of that community. Yeah, so I am a practicing Muslim. So the, the religion I follow is Islam and Um, A lot, not everybody, but a lot of um, East Africans and Somalis, particularly a lot of Somali people are also identified as Muslims. And so what that means for me is there is the belief in one God and that there were prophets that were sent um, to kind of lead people down the path of righteousness. It's very similar to a lot of other like the other two monotheistic religions, honestly. And um, the only difference is that we believe that the kind of prophet of our time was prophet muhammad which is why a lot of folks especially your listeners will find that there are a lot of people named muhammad out in the world and it was because um prophet muhammad was such a righteous and just like a great example of the religion that if anyone who names their son that name is kind of like saying like i want my son to be as righteous and as religious and as you know such a role model so yeah, um, for many Muslims, they wear the hijab, which is um, the headscarf, and it's a sign of modesty. 
modesty not necessarily meaning coverage, but kind of um, sending a signal to the world of just like the type of things you're tolerating and the type of things you're not tolerating. I had to relearn what it meant to be a Muslim, especially during college, because, you know, college is a very, very much a learning experience for so many young people. And in the in the religion of Islam, you know, drinking and other type of um, kind of intoxicants are not allowed. And so kind of going through that and being a young woman and then also seeing like, you know, you're in your 19s and from 18 to 22, a lot of people are just exploring everything about their bodies, about their personal relationships, about all of that stuff. And so religion was very much a journey for me in college. I had to kind of understand even what this like, you know, the headscarf meant for me. And I realized that in some ways the veil was a protectant for me. Not that it's always going to protect you. That's not the message it wants to send to anyone. But it kind of sends a signal out when you're wearing the hijab or when I'm dressing up in a certain way. um, It protects me from certain things. It protects me from kind of being asked to be put in a situation where I'm going to be compromised in a way. Um, And I had to learn what that meant. And so it was very much like a journey, especially college. But now I, I feel like I'm more comfortable with who I am as a woman. I think I'm learning about my own history and I'm very much into black studies, um, just the entire diaspora from Africa, the continent to every other country where there are brown and black people. So to see that treatment and to kind of bring everything back to my religion and what it means, what does it teach me? It teaches me about fairness. It teaches me about like in the eyes of God, we're literally all the same. And the way in which we act towards each other is a reflection of how you care for God. And so if you're being downright disrespectful to another, you know, human being, you're disrespecting God in some ways. You're disrespecting a creation of his, you know what I mean? So just kind of taking those bits and pieces and really putting them into my life of just like the type of person I want to be has been a really right, nice reference. And so that that's what it really means to me. And, and, and religion, spirituality, it really is up to people to kind of go down that journey. So I just encourage everyone like, that reference is such a safe haven for some folks. Like, it doesn't matter what you choose, honestly. But if you just have some sort of reference to remind you to be a good person and, like, an, just a normal citizen that's, like, um, respectful and fair, I think you'll be all right. I'm noticing, one, I think the college thing is very relatable to anyone listening. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think that the topic of religion, and even just not aside from religion, like, the topic of just, like, I don't even know, like figuring out your like what being mm-hmm. a good person means. What being a good person in college means, yeah. I feel like it's a little different from my definition today. So for sure. I think anyone can relate to that. And um, I mean, I the takeaways that I'm I'm hearing from you uh are that our religions are not as different as they might mm. seem. So I would encourage everyone to just like do your research on what oh, different sure. religions, you know, their messages are and uh, different things like that because I mean we have in my I'm Baptist and in mm-hmm. we have you know a lot of people are named Mary and John not mm-hmm. as much anymore but back then very similar to the Mohammed piece and it was mm-hmm. a very similar reference. I also love what you had said about the hijab because I would never have known exactly. I mean I knew it was mm-hmm. uh, for. Oh, oh like a veil kind of? Like coverage? What's that word? Yeah, modesty. Modesty. I knew it had meant that, but I had never really thought of it as a way to kind of protect yourself. And mm-hmm. I completely understand what you're saying because it's kind of your way of like what I'm hearing from you. Just remind, like maybe a reminder to yourself. Yeah, as, like yeah. it, You know when you have like, this is 
a weird reference. Yeah. I'm thinking of, like with COVID. And when I had like a mask on, I would re- know immediately like, oh, don't touch my face. Because yes. like a constant reminder that like a physical reminder, you exactly. know what I'm saying? Exactly. It really is. It is a physical reminder for sure. Strange and, reference that I'm thinking of COVID. Yeah, no, no. But I'm it, it thinking of something though. that's like right in front of you. You can't ignore it. Yeah, and I think um, one I'm gonna just put in an interesting fact for um, for an American perspective. There are also a lot of African Americans who became Muslims in the 1930s and the 40s, and like notably are like Muhammad Ali and like all these other people. And my professor, who is like a woman who was born in Washington D.C., was telling me, you know, black women used to put on the hijab, and it was literally it, it was a message to men as like I'm sexually unavailable. And that was something that I never thought of either. I mean, it could mean that, but it was also just like, this is, unless you're, unless you want to get married, like, I'm not, I'm not about that. And I really found that to be effective as well in college for me, um, because that's not the energy I was looking for at all. And so I was very kind of grateful for learning that about myself and like learning more about what I'm wearing and what it means more than just like it's not just like about a bad hair day and like you don't want to show your hair you know what I mean it's 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 a bit more than that so I really enjoyed actually learning about that part myself I feel like with um a a lot of religions right now they're kind of like not aging out but it's a lot of Mm -hmm. like an older age community um I'm not sure if you find that the same in your religion or if you have a younger community that you can be with like how does it feel to be that younger person like being kind of a spokesperson and being that person for your younger siblings who are going to grow up and have to like find it themselves like does Mm -hmm. that mean a lot to you to be like a 25 year old yeah it really does because I remember um moving to Texas is also a really big um Muslim community over there and one thing I'm realizing is that culture affects religion way more than anything else we can give credit to um the way people the things people value as a community as a culture kind of gets intertwined with the religion messages and so for me one of the things that I was told growing up was like you can't wear pants as a girl and I was like what but okay, so I wore skirts for a really long time. And then I realized as I got older, it wasn't about the pants necessarily. It was about the garment and how tight it was and how revealing it was and stuff like that. So I was like, so it's not necessarily pants. It's more like tight things. And so as a young woman, especially who is very much against being told what I can and cannot do with my body, I was very much like, okay, I'm going to just go to the direct source here. I'm not even going to listen to when you know what this auntie says or what that uncle says I need to find it from the source so I went in and I listened to lectures and I listened to you know the references and the examples that people were making about what this kind of chapter or what this scripture means and then I came to my own conclusion because at the end of the day I also don't want to be in a place where I'm also too revealing just for my personal preference that's not for me so now I have two younger I have two younger sisters who are seven and eight right and or nine they're gonna they're gonna get me for butchering their ages but they're kind of be growing up into being preteens and teens and not someday young women so for me I'm looking at them like hey I gotta teach you what this thing means for your own good not necessarily for what it means for the community I want you to be personally invested in the messages you know and I hope that you are personally invested in the messages because good things can happen for you when you kind of act this way or that way or just however you interpret it. And so I very much am seeing also a wave of young Muslim 
women especially who are still very much modest in their own right and very much covered in their own right but are like models are out here on Instagram looking gorgeous with the outfits and the stylizing and all that stuff they're doing and so wardrobe was very much a taboo t- subject for women especially um with old community values because it's just like oh you got to be covered we got to break that down there's a lot of nuance there you know what i mean and so i just love seeing a lot of muslim women take it upon themselves to to justify it enough for themselves to say this is what it means to me i'm good with it i'm going to hope god is okay with it because i am following this god and that's fine with me and that's really all i could ask for i don't want anyone to think that they must do something because of the judgment or the looks they're going to get from others that's that's not who we're looking for especially if you're a religious person that's not who you're looking for to please you know what i mean be happy with yourself and do what feels right by you and a lot of people regardless of religion know what the right thing is to do because their gut always tells them and just listen to your gut is what i tell people i i want i don't know if you have any more questions liz i don't want to switch over but i'm it's still kind of related i know you had mentioned that you played sports in college how did i know this is a subject that yeah I, yeah how did that work i know i've kind yeah, of I'm for a little me, bit aware it became it became it was very much um a personal like type of journey i had to go through there was a fine line between especially in high school like you know with field hockey um and lacrosse and basketball although i don't like to admit i played basketball because i was so bad <laughs> um <laughs> but especially with field hockey and lacrosse i remember you know, um, you see the, you know, the jerseys and the skirts or the shorts, you know, they were very um, just revealing. And I'm also like, you know, I'm, I'm a big, I'm a big girl myself. So I'm like on the heavier side. So a lot of these things beyond religion just made me insecure. Like wearing these jerseys that were like, my arms were revealed. I really had, like, I wasn't too insecure about it, but I definitely like it. I was cautious with it. So I would always wear like, you know, the Under Armour, like, leggings and stuff like that like I made that a thing I would just had every color in the book that was acceptable by the referees like black white and gray so I always wore leggings under it um the headscarf became kind of a a thing and I think I almost left basketball because of like all of the buzz it was kind of getting I just it was uncomfortable for me to be at the center of all that there was some conversation of like even right now, there really is, like, you know, the headscarf, like, wearing any type of garment that can really fly off in the middle of the court is kind of redeemed, like, by the referees illegal, so, like, you can't really wear those, and there's actually a lot of Muslim women athletes who can't really participate in college and professional sports because of that thing. Boy, do I wish the Nike hijab existed (laughs) back in high school, because I would have rocked that everywhere I went, (laughs) um, so it came down to me wearing, like, you know, bandanas really tight around my head, um, and the goggles were really helpful because they kind of kept it going for me for field hockey and lacrosse. Um, and then for lacrosse, I just ended up being a goalie. So none of that even mattered because I was padded up head to toe. So um, I found my own little ways that worked for me. I was willing to make those compromises for myself, but I definitely understand when folks aren't willing to compromise and they just want to play the sport as they are. And that's when it could get tricky. But I just kind of fought my battles, chose the right ones and kind of let the other ones go. It wasn't worth it for me. I think it's so cool that they're starting to make sports performance clothes. So yeah, I think I love that's it. awesome. I love it. I've seen a few girls. Um, my soon-to-be sister-in-law, she used to play against a few girls that would wear them. And it was just such a cool thing. That was never a thing when I was young. <laughs> I sound yeah. so old. My I know, right? We, back in my day. <laughs> we are 25. Right, Nene, <laughs> go home. Kind of on the same topic, like mm. being from Maine and knowing like, 
kind of how behind Maine is. I feel like mm. a lot of Mainers don't have the chance to experience different cultures. Is there something mm-hmm. specific that you wish you could tell people about your culture? Yeah, I think it is it is one of the most selfless communities and cultures that I honestly have witnessed and been a part of. I feel like um, we were just making this joke the other day, me and my cousins, where when somebody, oh, I actually have a concrete example. Last year, um, in January, I had to come to Maine, like, overnight, really emergency, because my brother had gotten really sick. Um, one of my brothers, he he, he was um, in the hospital because we found out he was a type 1 diabetic. And so my parents were both back home in Ethiopia, kind of visiting um, my grandpa and all this stuff. And so my brother went to the hospital and I had to rush over from Texas to take care of him. Basically, this is right before the COVID like stuff happened. And so I remember literally, I don't know how word got out. Like, I genuinely don't know. No one knew I was coming because it happened in three hours. The next day I had. And it gets emotional really thinking about it. But I had like five different aunties come and they just all brought tea and they brought food. And they're like, oh, my God, Osmo's kid is in the freaking hospital. No way. And, you know, and I was just sitting there like, who told them, you know, and it was one person who finds out. And then that entire we were there for two weeks. There wasn't a day I didn't have fresh tea. And it wasn't even that they knew me and or like that they were invested in the story, but the act of like gathering and community that can happen in the face of just sorrow, in the face of sadness, in the face of confusion, this community knows how to get together. And I know for a fact, because I've seen it, when you are accepted into a community, you give out that, that, that kind of love. You extend it out. There were so many people who my mom knew um, and she built relationships with over, you know, like the decades we've been here and they're not Somali, but they would she would go over with her traditional like rice and and beans and this and that and her tea. And that became like a part of the new culture and the new community we were building. So one thing I want everyone to really kind of get in their heads is when you give love, you get love back twofold. You know, and so that's the way this community acts um, in the face of any type of, you know, darkness. And so like giving in, becoming a a good neighbor, becoming someone who's uh, empathetic and just understanding in general, it's never going to hurt you. It actually will never hurt you. There will be no negative consequences to ever being kind. So why not? You know, and, and I know that I come from a community both in the sense of like being from a Somali community, but also being from a Lewiston community where I have seen what kindness will get you. And I've also seen what being rude can get you and it's not good. So choose kindness, honestly. That's a great message. And it's so funny to think of like (laughs) what we're talking about balancing, like your family life and things like that. Mm. One flying home to Texas, I mean, from Texas on a, you know, flip of a dime. Just knowing like that is something I feel like that comes with being like family oriented. You're like one thing twice, I'm on the plane and the same thing for like your community. But I think it says a lot about you guys of the people you've surrounded yourself with. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. It's hard to get flights to Maine. I'm just going to say that. So if you're going to move out of Maine, like move a little closer because it's terrible to be on transit. <laughs> that is so true. That's actually like such a fear of mine. Every time I travel, I'm like, I know it's not one of those things where I can just hop on a flight no. anytime. <laughs> like, I'm like, no one have any emergencies because I'm going to no. have to have like yeah. 
couple layovers yeah. and probably it'll be <laughs> a full day later. We could ask now, um, what does your life look like today? And if you have any kind of goals and hopes uh, for the future? Yeah, so right now I am still following in my mother's footsteps. Um, this May I will be graduating with my master's in public health. And so that was something in Texas where I've, I realized um, Texas is very much like Texas oriented. So they don't really care for small liberal arts education. They're like, if you didn't go to a UT this or a UT that, who are you? Where's your experience? You know, and after college, I remember one of the questions you guys asked was like the college, the gra- post-grad blues. Boy, did I go through that. I remember. Oh, let's touch on that. Let's that's touch on that because that one's podcast. crazy to me. Listen, you guys, I, I remember it happened before graduation, right? It's like right before graduation, you're thinking, oh, yeah, oh, God, I'm not hearing back from X, Y, and Z. God, I don't know what to do, um, what's going to happen. And everyone's like, come on, enjoy it. It's grad season. And I'm like, I wish I could. Like, if I had something lined up, I would have enjoyed this so much more, you know? And I remember I had several interviews with like Boston, like Dana Farber Institute and um, Mass General and all and Mass Children's. And I had so many opportunities lined up and I really thought like, this is going to be it. I'm going to go to Boston just like every manor does and then come right back to Maine afterwards. And <laughs> I have a whole life planned. And um, those interviews came literally a week or two too, too late because by the time I graduated, I had made the decision that I was going to spend my summer in Maine because there's nothing like a Maine in summer. And then I was going to go to Texas. And I already made that decision. And I started applying to jobs to Texas. And I wasn't hearing back. And man, that first year was really rough. I just had odd jobs. I worked at Sephora, which I genuinely enjoyed because I, I love makeup and skincare. I was going to say, that. Uh, that aligns That's actually quite it nicely. It was. But I had to, like, makeup is unbelievable. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And so I was, that was like the best job. Um, but after that, I was just working these odd jobs. And I just remembered feeling like, what did I, what, what is happening? I'm supposed to be in a lab somewhere right now with, you know, studying something, studying E. coli or something like what is going on. And I really went through it. If I didn't have like family in Texas, I, I don't think it would have gone as smoothly as it did because my aunt really was just like my lifeline for like six months. And you don't also realize you're in that mood until you like, like look back at old videos on Snapchat or something or just look back at old memories and you're like, oh, wow, I was really happy. What? You oh, know? wow, that's so funny. We do the <laughs> no, same don't thing. don't do that. Yeah, <laughs> don't, don't do that. Don't do that at <laughs> all. You're just like, oh, my God, I was so much happier then. Oh, look at this. Look at that. That's so I crazy. I was in a mood. It was really sad because also some of your friends are doing amazing and you're so proud of them. and You're so happy for them. But you don't want to call them and be the Debbie Downer and just be like, I'm kind of going through it. Like nothing seems to be working for me. Um, and I just didn't want to do that for all my friends who were like really doing so great in life and just like had everything coming for them that they had worked so hard for. So I really struggled that first year. So then 2019, I was like, I got to go to school here. Like, that's the only way I'm going to get a job here. I feel like if I don't go to school and have a UT something on my resume, very few people are going to give me an opportunity. So that's when I applied to University of Texas at Houston, but they had a Dallas campus. So I went to the Dallas campus and then now I'm finishing up and I'm hoping I have some jobs that I signed up for. I mean, I applied to hoping to get some interviews back so that I could just kind of really start to integrate myself into that community. I think that 
I honestly tell people this all the time and they don't believe me, but I know I'm going to come back to Maine. I know that like my 60 year old version is going to have like a house on the beach somewhere. I'm going to be chilling in the summer and in the winter, I'm going to be by my fire. I have this whole vision, but until I get there, I want to see how well I can do in like helping any community that I'm within. So if right now, if that's the Dallas community, I need to really take every chance that I have to just let them know that I'm there and I'm a community member and that I can help in any way that I can before I move on to the next community that I hope to be a part of till I come back home and it's going to be a circle of life. <laughs> well, I love, I love the post-grad, like the realness with that because yeah. I think it's something that you especially like the comparison with your friends and honestly the looking at Snapchat memories thing is something that Liz and I both actually like struggled (laughs) with. We would look at them and we'd send them to each other and be like, when did we ever laugh that hard? We will say, who's that in the picture? I'm like, she's glowing. That girl was thriving. I don't know. So full of life. Yeah. Yeah. Look at the sparkle in her eye, man. Like I honestly understand for sure. Yeah. It was, it's just something that like is so overwhelming, like which I don't know. We talk about this. We actually, well, when this comes out, we will have had her on already, but the mm-hmm. author of The Defining Decade. And oh, yeah, so she came cool. on and she, so that will launch next, whatever, this this is coming up the week after. So anyways, mm-hmm. we came on and we just talked about how like post-grad, you're so overwhelmed by like opportunity of like, which direction do I go into? And like, you know, is it Texas? Is it Maine? Is it Boston? And yeah. you like kind of just feel so stuck. And then you're just comparing with everyone that, it's overwhelming and you're supposed to accomplish so much in like 10 years you're like you gotta have a house a family and a career and all this stuff and you're like all right well I know and then you're stuck in the constant wondering that's what people don't understand is that you're so hesitant to make a move anywhere that you're inevitably stuck you know and that's just that's a really bad cycle to be in so I just tell everyone you know just go for that opportunity honestly if you don't know what's going to happen who knows? It might last two years. It might last 20. Just go for it. And if, if it doesn't last long, at least you say you got to do something. What she calls it in the book is she calls it uh, gaining life capital. Is that right, Liz? Uh-huh. And they just she kind of refers to it as like something even to talk about on your next res- your next job interview. Like if it didn't yes. work out, it's a story to tell. So I think the best thing that you said, Rakia, was that you were, you're in Texas now and you're going to make yourself a part of that community. And like mm-hmm. this is where you are and you're going to take advantage of this opportunity right here instead of like what am I going to do next like this is where I am I have to follow this I said I was going to do it and then you know you want to come back to Maine but you're gonna you're gonna get there when when you want to get there exactly and I think some people like everyone is just like oh I want to move I want to do this I want to do this but focus on where you are really like that's the goal for me is to have someone at the local cafe know my name and my order that's how I know I made it I like love when that. I can, when I get to that, then I know I'm a part of a community for sure. Mm-hmm. Isn't yeah. it so crazy when you start to like get away from like, I don't know, maybe in college or something, it was a different kind of community mm-hmm. or, or like maybe the in-between of college, yeah. you realize the importance of community after oh, you sure. maybe haven't had it for a, a short period of time. And it is, it's literally that coffee shop thing. You yeah, realize like, I thought that too. I'm like, I live somewhere now and I'm like, oh, no one downtown like knows my name. Yeah. Like, I don't love that. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's 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 hard because I also want to be a part of the whatever local thing is happening. And I know that people are going to be naturally hesitant to, you know, welcome a new face anywhere because they're like, what is this person about? And that and that's when you kind of take it upon yourself. If you want to be a part of a community or if you want to just be 
not lonely wherever you are just go to somewhere read a bulletin board and then just try it out like that's how I've made some short-term friends who I don't know where they are now but they were really great and helped me you know show me around Dallas and now they're doing their own thing in life but definitely helped me in that moment so like take advantage of those moments that's something that I feel like you can apply to any aspect of your life is like, if you want to be invited somewhere, invite yourself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <For Yep. real. laughs> I think honestly, um, Kylie Jenner said that quote. So don't <laughs> <laughs> look at that. Man. <laughs> you know me, a true intellect. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Well-roundedness. We love it. We love it. Rakia, what is something that if you could tell your post-grad self, Rakia, that's kind of, you know, a yeah. little stressed out about her plans, feeling a little bummed, what could you tell her? Man, I would tell her, I would tell her two things. I would tell her first to jump at the opportunity because I can think of, you know, you always have that the one that got away in almost every part of your life. And I had a one that got away um, career wise. And I wish I would have just told myself to do it because the fear of failure stopped me from pursuing that path. And the second thing I would tell myself, be accountable. I think I was so wrapped up in like the environment that I was in and I took a lot of whenever I grieved or whenever I was like um sad about failing at anything I did go hard on myself but I I wasn't accountable I would blame myself but I wasn't holding myself accountable and accountability looks like really reflecting on where where it is that you didn't do so well making sure you do better at those place spaces, you know? And so I was always hard on myself, but I never held myself as accountable as I would like to have had. And so that's one thing I would, that's the second thing I would tell myself is just be accountable because the more you're accountable, the less you're going to not have regrets, but the less you're just going to be kind of counting all of the places where you're messing up. If I really tried my best, if I really did everything, um, if I really learned the, the lessons I was supposed to, there's nothing for me to really look back on that I could be regretful for. So I wish I had told myself those two things earlier. I'm learning those now slowly but surely, but it would have been nice to have a head start. That We're not too far post-grad, right? We are, right? We're still there. It's okay. <laughs> I love that one because it's something that's so true. Like sometimes the stress you cause yourself of mm. like, I don't know, looking back on things and or like, let's say like repeatedly messing something up, yes. like whether it's like a work thing, it's like the stress I've caused myself, I should have just like gone back and really like paid attention to it, done what I was I supposed to do. It. Yeah. Yeah. Or just like, I don't even know. I think of that in so many different areas of my life. So that's a great tip. This was one of my favorite interviews we've done. Oh, thank you guys so much. I loved it. I haven't talked like this to anyone in a long time. So this has been really therapeutic for me as well. And just great to hear your voices and just hear like our own kind of interpretations of the questions I love it you talked about short-term friends but I think that we should be long-term friends <laughs> no, because for sure. you, you said it. you're getting a, a lake house or a ocean yes house, I'd love so. to have you come <laughs> over we'll make some chai and we'll just talk about the I things love it. that we said today I love it I'm here for it <laughs> I also do well Rakia thank you so 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 much this was so great Rakia can you plug all your stuff Oh, oh right. my god yes um i have a youtube channel it's a small but really fun channel you can just look up rakia mohammed r-a-k-i-y-a-m-o-h-a-m-e-d and you guys will just you know get a little bit of what my life is like on the daily in my room 
Um, Instagram is the same thing, Rikia underscore Mohammed. Come be friends with me. I promise you I'm not one of those people who does not follow back. I don't like that. <laughs> so, hey, I'll follow you back if you follow me, and we can hopefully start a beautiful friendship. And Elizabeth and Ashley, I want to thank you so much for having me. Like I said, I'm not even saying this to say this. I genuinely listen to your shows, and I am so happy to be on this. <laughs> when you guys messaged me, I was like, is this real? I had to look at it twice <laughs> and be like, get out of here. What? And, so- and uh, Liz, that was a good one. Let's go get a drink. <laughs>